brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I salute each and every one with the awesome and the blessing words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you this evening uh, here in the month of December of 2013 uh, as we have once again entered into a Bible study for an awesome topic of study. Amen. The subject of study for this evening is part two on condemnation. Amen. Part two on condemnation. Now due to the fact there may be new faces, new listeners as to what's being deposited, let me recap what condemnation is all about in order to get you in the right setting. Amen. Because God has weighed heavy on my heart and in my spirit about there needs to be clarity on many things associated with the word of God and one of the words that seems to to be a problem across the board with believers is understanding what condemnation is all about. Amen. Now in that let me reiterate some of the information that I said in part one in order to pick back up this evening and give everybody some more nuggets or some more revelation regarding condemnation. Many of us, uh, for some reason, always lean to Webster's Dictionary in order to define what something means. And unfortunately, we use Webster's Dictionary to foundation what we believe regarding the Word of God. And in that, uh, I do wish to bring to your attention, there are some definitions that line up, but many that do not. Amen. So now, when we began to look at condemnation once again, condemnation is defined by Webster's Dictionary uh, with the primary definition of placing blame or fault. Amen. So now, to understand what that's all about, let me use a scenario in order to make it crystal clear to you what that's in regards to. Nine times out of ten, if I performed an act or made a decision that I didn't agree with or was unhappy with, I began to do, as we say, a pity pat party with myself saying, woe is me, I wished I hadn't did that, or I feel so bad that I did that, uh, that man, I just didn't mean to do it. And so as I continue to to degrade myself and, and, and speak negativity over myself because of something I was unhappy doing, what I usually do is when I articulate this to somebody else about my negative emotion of myself, I will usually use the terminology that I was condemning myself. Somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. You've probably experienced this uh, in your own situations. There's been times that you have done something that you regretted and you remember having somebody in your family or somebody that was a close friend that would come up and pat you on the shoulder and they would turn around and tell you, uh, man, brother or man, sister, stop condemning yourself. So now what that says is our society has associated condemnation with a negative emotion that we feel about ourselves or a negative emotion that we feel regarding somebody else. 
However, when I began to look and I began to study the word of condemnation by the word of God, it's not in association with any negative emotion or placing blame. What the word of God associates condemnation with is separation or a judgment or sentence of death. Amen. Let me roll that back one more time. By the word of God, condemnation is in association with separation or death or one receiving a judgment sentence of death. Okay, let me let me put that into clarity so you can grab it and really understand what happens. If I went out and I killed somebody, we all know. I would get uh, uh, taken into custody by the police and placed in jail until I am uh, I receive a court court date to go before the judge. Amen. And when I will go before the judge, depending on what the jury says and the verdict that is delivered, there is usually a sentence given to me for being guilty of the act of killing somebody. So what happens is the judge will give me a sentence somewhat similar to one of the two. I will either get a sentence to remain incarcerated or I will get a sentence or a judgment for the death penalty. Amen. So now walk with me and understand what condemnation is about because even in the natural the natural applies the physical manifestation to us as it spiritually was intended by God. Because watch this, if a judge gives me uh, a sentence of being incarcerated 10 years, 15, 20, life, what is that other than me being separated from society? Hello, somebody. So, one version of condemnation that society agrees with is separating one from something which is separating you from society amen that's one form of condemnation the second form is the second sentence that normally a judge would deliver which is the death penalty so what is the death penalty other than one somebody being separated from society and two them meeting a full end known as death now what's still very interesting about this in condemnation and, and I'll really throw this to you as another nugget even in the behavioral health arena, death is defined as loss of a connection. I hope somebody heard me right there. Death is defined as really being a loss of a connection. Meaning that it's not just in association with a living thing dying, but it's in association with two things that are connected now being separated. And once again, as I said, condemnation's biblical meaning is about separation and in association with death. Now, if I can really be deep on this thing, because as we began to, to study this on the last Bible study, I found foundationalize the topic with Romans chapter 8 verse 1 and I'll read it in your hearing again there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit okay so now check this out if the scripture is saying there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those that are walking after the spirit who are not walking after the flesh, all of us experience a time of being in condemnation. Let me clarify this to you. You have to understand that all of us came into this realm or this world as the living dead. When I say the living dead, understand, everybody that is born into the earth realm has a spirit. But understand, you are a spirit that's actually dead to God until you get a relationship with him through Christ. Amen? You're a spirit that's walking around, but you're spiritually dead to God because there's no connection between the two. 
But what happens is, as it declares here in Romans 8.1, once you get hooked up to God through Christ Jesus, now there is no separation between you because now you're connected to the Father. And the Father now can make connection with you. Now you are no longer the dead, but you are actually the chastised. Hello, let me roll that back. That may have been deep for somebody right there, but let me clarify it once again. You are now no longer dead to God, but you are chastised by God. Because, see, we got, we got to understand this. Some people are trying to wonder, you know, by the word of God, it says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. And then we, be, we began to see some things happening in our life that, that seems to be negative. And some folks began to say, why is God doing this to me? But we have to understand some of the things that happen negative to some folks is meant because as we know by the word, there's a such thing as people having a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is basically somebody that believes right is wrong and wrong is right. They have, they have no association with God. They have no connection. They feel like they're God to themselves and their life continues on. So believe it or not, until they come into a relationship with God, they're in the land of condemnation. They're on a, a, a one-way course to their own damnation or no eternity. They're on a one-way course to a death. They're on a one-way course of living out condemnation. But see, by the word of God that I know, as I said here earlier, when I come into a relationship with God, the things that happen in my life that are negative or the negative decisions that I make were no longer in the category of a condemnation to me. They're in the category of a chastisement to me. Okay, let me bag that up. For those of you that are listening right now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want to show you something very closely. As I said, once I came into a relationship with God, I'm in the land of being chastised. Because Old Testament wise, the word says God chastens his own. So God spanks his own kids. Amen. But his spanking is in order to get them back on course to righteousness with him. His spanking of them or some of the negative things he lets happen to them only skins them up in order for them to heal and get better. Okay, let's look at this thing in 1 Corinthians 11 and look closely with me at verse 31 and 32. And it reads from the standard King James, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, watch this, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Let me roll that back. Make sure somebody got this crystal clear. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. Meaning any sentence that God gives me as his child because I'm in relationship with him through Christ Jesus is only a chastisement. Rest of the verse says that we should not be condemned with the world. Alright, because now, the world, if I can be deep on that, world is, is in the Greek cosmos, which doesn't mean just the planet, it means the sons of Adam. The sons of Adam who are not in relationship as the sons of God. Those are the ones who are under condemnation. Due to sin, they're on a one-way course to death. And the only way to get that course evicted is for them to come into a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Amen. Alright, amen. Hopefully that, that, that begins to bring everybody into focus that's listening to this study this evening. So now, I, I want to pick back up in regards to some things or some key notes that I'm giving about condemnation. Because once again, what's very interesting regarding condemnation is I noticed as I was doing my homework and my research on this, you, you don't really find the word condemnation referenced in the Old Testament. However, 
you do find it referenced in the New Testament under five different Greek words. But what's interesting is all five Greek words don't associate themselves or connect themselves up about uh, uh, blame or fault. They are in association, all of them, in regards to a judgment sentence that's given for death or in regards to one being separated. Because, see, I've got to understand, once again, that condemnation began as a spiritual thing that manifests as a natural. Hello? I hope somebody heard me unless I'm talking to ceiling lights right now. Condemnation began as a spiritual thing that manifests as a physical thing. Did somebody hear me right there? It is a spiritual that manifests as a physical. So when I began to understand this thing about condemnation and, and, and what it's all about, it begins to, to start there in each and every one of our lives. And it, it has manifested continually throughout time that now we have fallen victim of it just because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. It is by, uh, by man that sin entered into the world. You know, if I, can, if I can take you back on that, you know, some folks are still blaming God on this thing, but no, we need to blame Adam if we want to blame anybody. But now due to the fact that Adam is the one that caused sin to come, now condemnation has become part of the DNA of us in our natural birth until we come into a place of spiritual relationship through Christ. Amen. Amen. So now, now I'm going to pick back up one, one of the Greek words that I gave on the last Bible study was katakrima. Katakrima is the Greek word that's used in Romans 5, 16, uh, verse 18, as well as Romans chapter 8, verse 1, which is our foundational scripture. And it means to separate. All right. Now, in the same turn, the, the, the next word that I had moved to and was getting ready to teach on in the last study was katakrino, which is the second Greek word. And it means to give judgment against uh, or a punishment. And watch this. This association of the Greek word for condemnation is in physical application. Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Amen. Romans chapter 8. And I would like to look at verse 34. And read that through 39. Amen. Verse 34 says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as the sheep. For the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So now, let, let, let me give you some nuggets regarding that in the physical. One thing that is brought to our attention just reading that is Christ is the one who uh, advocates for us and there is no condemnation in the relationship with him. Now, can I, can I give you a sidebar revelation why he advocates? And the revelation will be the fact is because he's a subject matter expert. Amen. Technically, 
when somebody is advocating on your behalf, even when it comes to lawyers, they've done their homework or in some instances they've experienced what you are going through in order to be a master on the subject. Is somebody hearing me right there? See, that's why even when, it, when we talk about salvation in the body of Christ, that's a whole other subject. Not for tonight, but I just want to touch on the fact that is very impactful in delivering people when you are the person who's been where they've been. Amen? See, there's a difference when people understand between sympathizing and empathizing with people. Sympathizing is you telling me the story and I'm feeling bad for you. I empathize with you when I've been in the same situation that you've been in. And so when it comes to deliverance in places uh, uh, that we receive salvation, the, the best people to deliver us are those who can both sympathize and empathize. It's great if somebody can, it can help you get delivered through Christ and the Holy Ghost if they can sympathize with you, but it's even astronomical if they can empathize. So now, watch this. Jesus is master of all because he sympathizes with us as well as empathizes. So he is the one and the only one that has mastered that thing and got up from it. Hello, is somebody hearing me right there? Look back at verse 34 again. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Then the writer turns around and says, Yea, rather that is risen again. So it, it shows right here that Christ was in a place of condemnation and then he defeated condemnation. So be it that he defeated condemnation such as death, it says he's at the right hand of God, which now saying he did not only beat death, He's sitting right beside God advocating for you. So that means Christ is on the seat next to the Father advocating for the condemnation that you're experiencing. And he's saying, be it that I beat it and I know the way out of it, I'm going to advocate to the Father the same for you. Hope somebody caught something right there. Now, let me, get, let me give you a little bit more right here on this, this, this thing catacrino, which is used here in Romans 8, 34-39. As he advocates on your behalf to say, I have defeated condemnation for them, and now for those that are using me as their attorney, they trust me, they've paid the price for my service for their life, now what I am advocating is not only that condemnation be erased from their sentence I'm also advocating that everything that they associate with in the natural can no longer condemn them I hope somebody heard me right there. Everything in the natural that you deal with, he's saying no longer has ties and is being erased and evicted from your death sentence. Here's where he lines it out. When we begin to, to, to look at the verses, let's look at it again. He says, uh, uh, here we go, we are in verse verse. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, which means troubles, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. Watch this. Okay, so he says everything, he begins to lay out some things. But in that, out of all of them, you are actually receiving death all day long. Because now, he's, he mentions by the scripture physical things that happen to you. But once again, remember I said condemnation began as a spiritual thing and manifests as a physical. So these things that he's advocating on your behalf, he first got to get 
the advocacy action with the Father in the spiritual on those things so that the physical don't manifest. Because the word right there declared that they happen to you all day long. Hello, somebody. You need to tap yourself on the back and say you ain't dead yet. Because, see, everything is causing you a spiritual death on a day-to-day basis just because of the sin that has impacted your spirit. But Jesus is the one advocating on your spiritual deaths in order to remove them, in order for you to have physical life. Oh, okay, okay. Amen, amen, amen. Now, he says, verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, amen. Can, can, can I teach y'all something again right there about you being conquerors? All right? The word declares that you're more than conquerors. A conqueror... If I, if I can really be, be clear and concise on this thing, let, let me give you uh, the Greek word. It is huperniaka, all right, which means to be more than a conqueror again, surpassing victory. If I can really be deep and give you real revelation, a conqueror is not only a person that has a victory, but it's a person that's got more than one victory. Hello, Some, somebody should have really got a praise shout right there and a thank you for God because out of everything that you've gone through and that you still standing, that you ain't died in, even though you experienced some spiritual situations, what happened is you conquered it because there's so many things that you're defeating on a day-to-day basis. If I can get up tomorrow and still get a praise shout unto God regardless of the struggle that I went through on yesterday, then that means I'm a conqueror. And the thing is, all the things that I went through today, yesterday, last week, last month, last year, those are things that should have had me in a place of continual condemnation. But if I can keep moving forward with my life, then it means condemnation has not had any application. Because every day when I talk to my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, He's my attorney and He gives me a pat on the back and say, man of God, don't worry about it. We've already got through that situation. I hope that uh, right now I believe prophetically that ministered to somebody right there and made somebody happy. Now, right now, you may be releasing tears right now within yourself just hearing this because I just gave you a truth that's going to change the way that you think about yourself. Right now, I'm even speaking and prophesying that the people that are listening are beginning to evict the thought of condemnation. Right now, if you can, if you had to write it down with a pencil or an ink pen, begin to scribble through it, begin Begin to erase it and begin to speak that I even evict the word condemnation even out of the data bank of my mind because it don't apply to me now that I've come into a real relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, let, 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 let's go on and look a little bit more right here on this thing uh, of catacrino here in Romans 8. Now, let's look at verse 38. It says, uh, uh, for I am persuaded, meaning without a shadow of a doubt, I've laid my faith in this thing that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, which are spiritual things, nor power or ability, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Hello, that's not just inclusive of a cat, dog, hog, rat, everything, uh, 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 a lion, lamb. That's inclusive of your neighbor, your brother, your sister, your mama, your daddy, any other creature. Meaning any other thing that's breathing in oxygen that's living shall be able or have the ability to separate what, let me roll that back, it says none of them, nobody, nobody has the qualifications, nobody has the credentials, nobody has the authority, nobody has the strength, nobody has the knowledge, nobody has the ability to separate you once you've connected with God from him. 
Over in the Gospels it says, no man can pluck you out of his hand. So now, you need to already go on and evict the thought that every time somebody comes to you and they begin to derail you, they begin to degrade you, they begin to say that you're going to hell, they begin to say that you're a demon, they begin to say that you ain't like Christ, they begin to say that you ain't got no relationship with God, they begin to call you a witch, a warlock, they begin to call you everything other than a child of God when you come into a real relationship right now. Now you need to rebuke that, send it back to the sender, destination unknown. Because what the fact of the matter is, by the word of God, it declares right here in your own reading, this ain't Eliotology, this is the word of Godology. And it tells you that none of them have the ability to separate you from the love of the godliness of Christ. I hope somebody got a high five right there. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Now that moves me to the next Greek word, New Testament wise, in association with condemnation. And this one is catechesis, which is a sentence adversely to make a judgment against or a sentence. Amen. For those of you that's got the word of the Lord still with you. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'd like to look at verse 9. And it says, For if the ministration of condemnation be glory... Much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Let me read that again. It says, For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Amen. But matter of fact, let, let me not just jump into that. Move up, if you will, to verse 7. Verse 7 says, but if the ministration of death, written and engraved in the stone, was, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more that the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious, verse 10, even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. Okay, now, let, let me clarify to you what, what we just read. Amen? What we just read here in association with uh, uh, verse 9 is the fact that God made laws that he gave to Moses in the Old Testament. Amen. And in that, it was for us to obtain the greater glory of being the children of God. Amen. They were already in a sinful state and God began to give them laws through Moses. And it was to make them glorious, but in some stat of those Pressing forward for the glory of living righteous, it caused some deaths in the process. Amen. But now, the greater glory that comes now is through Christ Jesus, whereby his grace, let me roll that back, when we talk grace, we're not only talking unmerited favor, the Greek word is charis, which means divine influence. So by the divine influence known as grace of Christ Jesus, now the deaths that we experience by the world only endorse the eternal life through Christ Jesus. Amen. It is the result of our greater glory. And anybody looking at glory, glory in the Greek is doxa, which is to praise and worship 
with great honor. So I become honorable. I become a martyr. I become one, you know, as they would say in old school, a saint before the Lord because of the things I do now because of the grace that Christ gave me of the relationship with God. Any depths that the world or the sons of Adam put me in only make me better in the glory of God. It now says I may be in a condemned place by man, but I definitely ain't in a condemned place with God. I may be in a place that nobody likes me and they want to see me dead and they cause my deaths to occur both spiritually and physically. But regardless of that, because I hooked up with Jesus, because I hooked up with the Holy Ghost, everything for my life now is going to be endorsed in a great place in the Father. And the Father will even give a shout on my behalf because the word says now through glory, the glory that's pressed on me ain't the glory and praise of man but it's the, the, the honor and the grace that's given by God so God begins to honor me and privilege me in his presence because I didn't accept the condemnation of the world as my condemnation unto him because watch this as long as I'm not speaking that I don't begin to speak my spiritual death of separation from God because see once again as I said here earlier and I'll say it again you have to evict that thinking of yourself because in the reality of it if condemnation still stays within the midst of who you are as a believer you are actually speaking your own separation from God versus God speaking his separation from you. Amen, 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 amen. I hope somebody's still grabbing something, somebody's learning something this evening. Amen. That brings me now to the next word for condemnation that's referenced in the New Testament. And the word this time is crema. Crema is a decision made in which one passes on uh, a, a judgment of fault uh, on another individual, whether they are guilty or not. Amen? In other words, crema, in most instances, is having a false judgment placed on your life. Let's turn to one of the most famous ones by scripture. Turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23. And we're looking at verse 40. Amen. This is the first place that the Greek word crema is referenced for condemnation. And it's about placing a false judgment. Amen. Now, once again, note I use the word fault, but this is not in association with guilt or emotion. Once again, this is in association with blame being given to someone regarding a sentence of death. Amen. Here we are. Luke chapter 23, verse 40. And the scripture reads, but the other answering uh, rebuked him saying, does not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation, verse 41, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Alright, for those that may not have read the previous verses, this is when Jesus is on the cross at Calvary. And the thieves are having a conversation among themselves about Jesus hanging with them and receiving, watch this, the same judgment sentence called condemnation for death. However, notice that one of the criminals rebukes the other because this man had done no wrong to receive this sentence of condemnation. Hello, everybody. So, so notice that Jesus, even though it was in God's divine plan, in the natural mind of man, even man recognized that we sometimes get a false judgment 
or a false accusation of death placed on us by other folks. Did somebody hear me right there? So that tells us we have to be aware, especially as the children of God, if we are, are replicating or trying to emulate the walk of Christ and be godly, we got to be aware that throughout our life there's always going to be the possibility that the world is going to place false condemnation or judgment on our lives. We have to be prepared to recognize that, but watch this. Notice that in the text, Jesus never spoke a word in regards of defense of using the word condemnation. So if I'm going to be Christ-like, if I'm going to be godly-like, then that means just because everybody around me is condemning me, I don't need to endorse that and give that audience. I don't need to give it and release it into the atmosphere in order for the atmosphere to make move on it. Because understand, once we came into relationship with God through Christ Jesus, did you not know the word of God speaks out of you? Because the more that I get the word down inside of me and become Christ, Christ-like on the inside, then when I speak, the universe listens to the God speaking out of me. Hello, somebody. So if the universe is listening to the God speak out of me, I can't speak nothing of death on myself because of my ignorance to the atmosphere. The atmosphere will be discombobulated and confused moving on behalf of God in your stead if you sitting here speaking death or condemnation on yourself when you know you ain't the guilty party. That's only world folks speaking over your life. Hope somebody got it. Hope somebody got it. Hope somebody got it. Oh, amen. Amen. Turn with me to the next scripture that references crema in the New Testament. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And I'd like to look at chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, and I, I want to read verse 32 once again, which we just touched on, uh, but read 32 through 34. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. Notice that I said here earlier in the study, I, I, I said once we came into relationship with God through Christ, then we fall in the category of being chastened versus condemned. Amen. The rest of the verse says that we should not be condemned with the world. Meaning we shouldn't be separated from God and we shouldn't be dead to God. Alright, verse 33. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. Alright, meaning hang out, hang out, support, uh, be there, be available. Verse 34. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Alright? So, what he says here is that when you come together, don't let the things uh, uh, that you have need of, hear me, hear me, I'm giving you a revelation here. When I come into the fellowship of other brethren... I don't need to make my need or great desire something that they can turn around and judge me for. Amen. I don't need to allow something to cause my tarrying and my fellowship with my brethren to be my condemnation piece. I don't need to advocate something that condemns me in the eyes of my brethren. Unfortunately, we got to understand that even when it comes to sin, we're supposed to judge the sin, not the sinner. But unfortunately, once again, we have some innate ability that we begin to falsely judge the sinner versus the sin but in the fact of all of that there's some things that we usually have in ourselves that become a desire and everybody ain't in the same place in God that we are everybody is an individual in God through Christ that they're in a certain place but uh, but 
But the thing is, sometimes our own brethren will begin to condemn us. And the thing is, what Christ says here, or what the word says in regards to Christ, is that the rest I set in order when I come. The manifestation of Christ in you will put that thing in check. The manifestation of Christ in you will put that thing in order. The manifestation of Christ in you will cause you not to be, if I can use the term, in gluttony of seeking things. Or, or, or having things in the presence of others that cause you to seem disorderly. The, 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 the manifestation of Christ is what will cause no condemnation to come to you because when I come into the fellowship with others, feel this right now, when I come into the fellowship with others, my fellowship is in relationship with the manifestation of Christ. Not so much for me to have a pity pat party of this and that. Now, the word does tell us to sup together and we pray together together but the thing is we don't make a pity pat party over the thing together amen 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 let me let, let, let me hit another one amen for those of you that still got the word of the lord with you this evening turn with me to first timothy chapter three. First timothy chapter three in first timothy chapter three verse six it says uh, let me let, let, let me start with verse 5. Amen. Verse 5. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Okay, now, we talk about ruling, ruling his own house. It's in one aspect of his physical house, but it's another aspect of his spiritual house. Y'all know in Corinthians, Paul said, did you not know that your body is the temple of the living God and the spirit of God dwells in you. So what the word is saying, if a man don't know how to keep his own spiritual house and physical house in order, how will he be able to manage the house of God? All right, now verse 6. Not a novice, meaning new to this thing, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. All right, because what happens is, if I get into this as a new believer, and I believe that I got it all, I, I have not matured, then what happens is I set myself up to be condemned or separated from God on my own self like the devil. Satan was already the first or prerequisite of pride getting in him to fall and be separated. So right here it says, if I if I if I get so 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 much pride within myself, I'm the one who is the author and the founder and the separator of my faith from God. Hello, somebody. See, when we get new on things, those are the times that we get in trouble. It, it, it doesn't fall on somebody else because watch this. Everybody needs to be guilty for their own crime. Hello? Uh, I, I must be talking to ceiling fans right there. Everybody has their own guilt of their own fault of their own crime. Notice that previously what we covered by the word of God is that Nobody else can condemn us and separate us from, from the love of Christ, and nobody can separate us from God. However, we can become the guilty party of separating our own selves due to the fact of us letting pride settle in our heart because we feel we know something, even though we have not had our time with God in the garden. We ain't been in our secret closet with Him. We ain't spent no time with Him to nourish the relationship. We just got a little bit of word under our belt and now we think we know it all but then we begin to uh, uh, incorrectly represent the word we begin to go astray with the word and what happens is we get pride and get puffed up in ourselves and so it says we fall to the same faith we fall from the grace of God we fall from the relationship because we're the one at fault hello I hope somebody got that there amen all right, let me let me hit one more. Let me hit one more this evening. Amen. Turn with me to the book of James. James chapter 3, verse 1. This is a famous one that may also resonate in the spirit of a lot of leaders that may be listening to this right now. In James 3, 1, it says, My brethren, 
Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. All right, let me roll that back. My brethren, meaning everybody that's in the family, all right? Be not many masters. And we say masters there is the daskalos, which means teachers. Amen? All right, so now, as it says, be not many masters or many teachers because we are held to a higher standard of judgment that could be our death or our separation. Bottom line is don't try to handle too many things in God at a time because what happened is as we say in slang, you begin to start slipping. God holds you to a higher standard if you're teaching or speaking on his behalf in order to bless his people and keep them in a, a, a graceful relationship with him. We have a higher responsibility as to what we're releasing. Even as the word tells us in Timothy to study to show ourselves approved as a worksman rightfully dividing the word of truth. So it is a responsibility if we're going to release a word into the atmosphere and begin to teach on God's behalf, we have to know that not only God is listening, his angels are listening, Christ is listening, even demons are listening to what you're releasing in the atmosphere on his behalf. So God is saying through the word that's written here in James is that we're held to a higher accountability. Amen. So understanding that uh, at this time, I'll stop the session this evening and open it up for any questions. Amen. Amen. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.